Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. We, we just need to take a, a moment of silence to mourn Church in the Wild being over. <laughs> this is the respectable us now. <laughs> Caught you by surprise. There is no respectable us. <laughs> Welcome to our new series called Reveal. The question I have for you, do you really know how to pray? I know people, you might sit in church for 10 years and you're still wondering to yourself, like, am I really doing this right? Uh, if, if you're brand new or you're just on your way back to God, this is going to be the perfect series for you because it, it's all about your connection with God in prayer. You ready to go? Yeah. Um, now, some people don't know. We do have a video podcast, which we're constantly pumping and trying to get you to give to your friends and to share online or, or, or tag somebody or something or take pictures anytime you want to. But there's also an audio uh, podcast in iTunes. Somebody didn't know this. I was talking to them a couple weeks ago. I'm like, oh... <laughs> The video uses way too much data, so if you're on your way to work or something, that's a great thing for you to do. Just subscribe to the uh, uh, iTunes uh, podcast, Venue Church, and uh, we will hook you up with some material during the week to get you through the work week. How's that sound? All right. Sometimes we just need God to speak into our work week so that we know what it's all for and we can wake up the next morning. All right. Um, there's one more uh, housekeeping thing that I need to do here. We're going to have a baptism coming soon. So if it's on your heart to get baptized, yeah, yeah. People have been asking me, like, I need to get baptized. So, uh, so we're going to have a baptism service soon. Um, and so if that's you, if you are, I, I send out a venue email that talks about who, who should get baptized, and it just answers kind of a bunch of different questions. Now, if you didn't get that email, make sure you go to the box office and talk to uh, somebody there so that you can say, can I get put on the email list because we spam you every day. And if you give us $10,000 in cash and your bank pin number, we will give you a bag of diamonds in Africa. We just can't get them out. No. <laughs> well, they're for our venue um, update. Uh, yeah, somebody's worried about that. <laughs> um, they're for our venue update, uh, which we send out about once a month, just with what's coming up in venue. So if you're not on that and didn't get that baptism email, just talk to the people at the box office, and we'll hook you up and make sure that you're kind of connected here. And I go through the common things about, do I need to get baptized in that email? So go get that. I won't go through it right now, but uh, are you coming back to Christ? I was baby baptized. That's a question that we have. So just go through there. It just might be informational for you. But if that's you, if I'm talking to you, it's time to make your private decision to serve Jesus public, then we need to baptize you and we're going to do that soon. So let somebody know at the box office uh, or, or email us at info at venuechurch.ca. Um, awesome. How to really pray. Reveal part one, the negotiating prayer. Am I doing it right? <laughs> Um, if you're brand new, look, you know that you don't really know how to talk to God because you've never done it before, or, or you're coming back to God and you're going to reestablish that connection. I think that that's probably an easy group of people to talk to. What I would also like to do is talk to somebody who's been sitting in church for like a decade or three decades. Because um, have you ever heard the saying, practice makes perfect? That's not technically true. Practice actually makes permanent. <laughs> Nobody thought that was funny. Good, we got all on church people here, good. We're, we're doing what we need to be doing. Actually, practice just makes permanent. And we're gonna go through, because Jesus is actually talking to a group of people, and part of the group of people that he's talking to today are professional prayers, like they get paid to pray. And he says to all of them, y'all are doing it wrong. You don't know how to talk to See, when I was a kid, my mom told me how to talk to my dad so that my dad could hear me. <laughs> and it worked, and our relationship got better. Well, Jesus shows us how to talk to his heavenly father. Sound good? All right. Um, this whole series is, I'm just going to give you kind of like a quick 
a, a quick run through of what's coming up next. We have four weeks together in this series. And so the first uh, part of this series is the negotiating prayer, which I'm going to be talking about today. Now, I'm going to, instead of telling you how to pray, what I'm going to do is actually go through um, how not to pray, just because i got to be difficult, I guess. So what we're going to do is go through four prayers that God can't really answer. Does that sound good? And I'll bet you, in your prayer life or in your communion with God, I'll bet you that there are prayers that happen that don't, that don't get answered. I'll bet you that you don't feel as close to God as you want to feel, and we're going to show you how to do that, but in, in every element of uh, every prayer that doesn't get answered, there's an element of, of probably one of these four things that we're going to go through. Does that sound good? First one is the negotiating prayer. The negotiating prayer, and I'll get into it in a minute, it sounds like this. God, if you do this, then I'll do that. The negotiating prayer. <laughs> it's a prayer that God has trouble answering. Um, number two, which is next week, the complaining prayer. The complaining prayer. God, if only you would stop that person from doing that. If only you would make my boss. If only you would make my husband. If only you would make my mom or my children or remove my teenagers. God, if only, then I could be happy. <laughs> the trouble with the complaining prayer, we're going to talk next week about gratefulness. Gratefulness is something that God values. Complaining is not. And so what we need to do is be able to get our prayers through God's filter. Just like I had to get my speech through my father's filter. Because he values some things and he doesn't value other things. Does that make sense? And so we need to be able to communicate. Communication is two-way. And so if there's part of a complaining prayer or lack of gratefulness in our lives, we're really going to be challenged next week to see the cup as half full and concentrate on what God is doing so that God can do more and fill up our cup. All right, uh, number three is the gimme prayer. <laughs> uh, this sounds like this. Um, God, give me this and give me that. And then give me some more of all of it. And sometimes God is like, but see, it's like a kid at Halloween, right? Sometimes God is like, I gave you a bag of candy to share with your friends, and all you did was eat it and get a stomachache. And that's kind of like that, how that is. God's like, hey, I, I want to bless you. Yeah, yeah, I want to bless you, but not just for you. Share it with your brothers and sisters. All right, good. The gimme prayer. Um, number four is the doubting prayer. This sounds more like this. God, I don't know if you're up there. <laughs> um, these are prayers that you get answered sort of by accident. It's like, God, I don't know if you're up there and I don't really believe in you and I don't really believe that you'll give me what I'm asking you, but I'm supposed to pray, so here goes. <laughs> it's a tough prayer for God to answer, but what we need to do is, is understand that God values faith. God values your energy, and faith is a decision, and it's not an emotion. And we're going to talk about that, the doubting prayer. What if you could remove the doubts from your prayers? Yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. Sound good? All right. First is the negotiation prayer. Um... I came up across some, some stories about children attempting negotiation. <laughs> Anybody got kids? Anybody know kids? Anybody know people who've got kids? All right, so this will make sense. <laughs> Mom says, I dropped off my son at preschool, and he says, have a good weekend, Mommy, as he leaves the car. <laughs> Clearly, he has plans that don't include me. <laughs> a two-year-old says, a two-year-old says to mom, what's that? Can I hold it? That's a calculator. Catch that. That's a calculator, she replies. Two-year-old. That's a calcu now. <laughs> a four-year-old says, negotiating for a, a kitten. Can we get a kitten? Mom, I'm allergic. I'd ha I, we can't be in the same house. The four-year-old. You can sleep outside. 
Just give me a cat, right? <laughs> Just want a cat. Here's one. Mom says, I asked my three-year-old to clean her toy room, which was extremely messy. Five minutes later, she came upstairs. This is my, my house yesterday. I got all my kids. We got the rooms cleaned. I only had to call them back in like 14 times. I thought you said this room was clean, Katie. Oh, you know. <laughs> Liquid eyes. <laughs> Five minutes later, she comes upstairs. You cleaned your room, your whole room already, I asked. She nodded. So, any toys left on the ground can be given to poor kids? <laughs> so, so, any toys left on the ground can be given to poor kids? Long pause. Child. Yep. But you can't go down there to check because there's a monster down there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cha-ching. Older brother. This has nothing to do with negotiation. It was just funny, and I thought I'd bring it up. Older brother. Mom, what's a humanitarian? Younger brother. I got this, Mom. It's like a vegetarian, but they eat humans. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah, Mom, shut up. I got it. <laughs> Kind of makes sense in a way. <laughs> I watch my, my daughters negotiate for things. And I appreciate a good negotiation because I'm a great negotiator. I'm a great salesman. And so my daughters can talk me into some fun stuff. So if it's fun, they have a better chance of talking me into it. If it's everything else, they probably have a better chance of talking mom into it or wearing her down. But um, I was thinking about... What has been negotiated in our home that was maybe not the best parental decision? And I, I came up, I, ha I keep coming back to Neela being addicted to coffee by the age of five. Not a coffee user, straight up addicted to coffee <laughs> by the age of five. It all started in our home because, you know, Neela sees dad do something and it's awesome. And so she just wants a piece of that, right? So. Um, I don't, I can't remember when the first time she ever tasted coffee was, but I mean, everybody who tastes coffee for the first time, you know, it's terrible. <laughs> like it, it tastes terrible, but then you start drinking it and then you start thinking about it and then you start drinking it some more. And so Neela had her first experience with coffee, but it was like a hard fought battle to get just that first taste of coffee, but she won it and Neela's a winner. And then, and then every morning I would make Aaron coffee and Neela would come over to Aaron sensing the weakness. Would come over to Aaron, and, and this is what every morning was like for weeks. Mom, can I have coffee? Big smile. Can I have coffee, Mom? Well, no, you're too young for coffee. Mom, can I have coffee? No, you're too young for coffee. Mom, can I have coffee? No, you're too young for Mom, can I have coffee? No, you're too young for coffee. Mom, can I have coffee? No, you're too young for coffee. Why? You're just too young for coffee, but can I have some? <laughs> and this would go on for like, you know, many times, multiple, multiple times. And then finally, Erin would lose her mind and be like, just go downstairs and leave me alone. And so she would go downstairs, and 10 minutes later, she would come back, and if the coffee cup still had coffee in it, hey, Mom, um, can I have coffee? Well, no, you're too young. Mom, can I have coffee? No, you're too young. And, and Neela, you know, her energy level, she has more energy probably than all the rest of them put together, and she's the last one. So y'all don't know. If, if you got two kids, you're still playing man on man. Y'all don't know. You don't know. And that fourth kid came along and just, oh, she just wiped us out with her cheerful, like, energy. And she says, nothing puts her down. Like, no, never means no. It just means just ask me in a minute, and I'll probably say yes. Because you can wear me down. you got more energy than I do. And she just stuck at it and stuck at it and stuck at it and stuck at it. And so what happened was eventually Aaron, to sue for peace, Aaron said, fine, drink some coffee. 
and she's been addicted to coffee ever since. We would go into Starbucks, and uh, Neela would come into me. She would light up. Kitty hates Starbucks, but Neela loves Starbucks, and so we're going to Starbucks. Neela just like, mm, can I come in? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I gave up a long time ago. Sure, yeah, come on in. So she comes in, and then uh, I'm like, you know, I'd like my Americano or whatever I'm getting. And uh, Neela, she goes, a coffee, please. And then the, the person, the barista, is always like, you mean a hot chocolate. And she looks at, Neela looks at me and looks at the barista like, you know, like they're not very sharp here. And then she'd say, coffee, like that. And so she'd get a tiny little cup, and I'd just pour a little bit of my Americano in there. And that's how Neela got addicted to. <laughs> if you got kids, you know the story. You know the drill. Addicted to coffee. I love that about Neela. I love her energy levels. See, I had something that she wanted. And now what I find is she doesn't even ask for a little cup because now it was like, can I have a, just a little bit? Right? That always gets me. I'm just like, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> can I have coffee? Well, not now. And it's like, just a little cup. <laughs> and I'm like, ah. A little cup is okay. <laughs> so I used to make her a little cup when I would make, uh, make my cup. Sometimes she would drink it and sometimes she wouldn't. It was just a moral victory for her, so she was happy. Um, but now all she does, I'm, I'm normally reading the Bible when she wakes up uh, in the morning, so she just comes over to my chair and she doesn't even ask for her own cup. She just walks over to mine and she's like, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> she likes coffee. A negotiation is reaching an agreement or compromise through discussion. A negotiation is, today's about the negotiating prayer, is about reaching a, a basically a compromise through discussion. Neela is a master negotiator. Our other kids are pretty good too. Negotiation through discussion. There's something that needs to shift in our psyche with God, though. You see, when we pray and we talk to God, when we live with God, we think that God can be negotiated with because we can. In fact, every one of us, there's a coin that'll buy us. Every single one of us gives into negotiation and has given into negotiation and will today and will tomorrow, and that is a human condition that there is something out there that we want that we choose, but see, with God, He never negotiates because there's never something that you have that he's got to have. See, we think God can be negotiated with because we can. The strongest of us can be negotiated with. But we find ourselves in a very unusual relationship where one party, listen, listen, one party doesn't need the other one, that's God, he doesn't need the other one to be more God, but he desperately wants us. And we on the other side desperately need God, but don't necessarily want him all the time. And it's different than any other relationship that you will ever have. It will never look the same as any human relationship in that regard because he doesn't need you to be more God than he already is. He was all God before you. He was self-sufficient. He, he made everything. He, he doesn't need your affection. He doesn't have a bad day when you don't give it but somehow he desperately wants you. But we who desperately need God don't necessarily desperately want God. Even Paul the Apostle, like the best of the best after his conversion, Paul the Apostle says like, I, I do what I don't wanna do and I don't do what I want to do and oh God, like I'm so conflicted inside. See, God has never ever conflicted inside about himself. 
and we find ourselves in an unusual relationship with somebody that we can't make a deal with, and we don't know what to do with it. Negotiation, um, I was thinking about this. When you go into a negotiation or sit around a negotiation table in your home with your friends at, at work, at business, it requires um, something that we all need to put on to negotiate something, and that is a mask. Does that make sense? We have to put a mask on that looks attractive to the other company, that looks attractive to the other person. We need to let them know that you need something that I have. Whether or not you do. Whether or not you have the best fit for them, whether or not, no, we put a mask on that says, you need me for something. That's what business is. That's what a lot of relationships are. And we compromise someplace in the middle. You need what I have. So I need to look as attractive as humanly possible to you so that I can get you to give me what I want. But what if, in our relationship with God, what if the other party, what if God actually doesn't like masks at all? What if he not only doesn't value it, he hates it when we put a mask on to come and pray? What if he doesn't want you to try to look more attractive than you are? What if he actually despises that? It would be like my kid coming to me and trying to put a mask on that's more attractive than they really are. Even a good father or mother among us doesn't really even like that. But imagine the God of the whole universe who's holy and pure and righteous altogether he already knows everything about you. You put a mask on that puts something between us. And what if the God of the universe, that, that the, the coin in our universe is negotiation, but what if that's not a coin that means anything to God? What if it actually works against us in our relationship with God? And I want to put something on screen that I think would be good for you to write down and think about this week. And that is this, prayer is not to make... Do I have this thing on screen? Awkward silence. We got it? Okay, prayer is not to make God like you more or make God more like you. I just took 80% of our prayers away. So I just simplified for you. Prayer is not to make God like you more or make God more like you. What if we took that out of our prayers? Right off the bat. First of all, God already loves you more than you'll ever know. Nothing you can say or do or even for him will make him like you anymore. But the other piece that is negotiation is, God, I actually need you to become more like me. See things my way so that I get what I want. Mm. Prayer is not to make God like you more or to make God more like you. That would look great on social media. I basically, I basically handed that one to somebody. You're like, every week you're like, I don't know what to say. You can say that. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is speaking to a whole group of people, just like this group of people. And he's speaking to everybody and he's saying, okay guys, I need to teach you something about life. I need to teach you about assumptions that you have that are totally wrong about God. And once you overcome these assumptions and change them into assuming something completely different at the baseline of negotiation here, then you'll start to understand how to talk to God more and how to get your prayers answered and how to actually be closer to God than you are right now. It doesn't start with prayer. It starts with something else. And so I want to kind of give you a little bit of context in a few verses to get into the prayer part. Are we ready to open the scriptures? In Matthew chapter 6, and this is out of the message. I think this is the best way to understand culturally here what he's trying to say. Jesus says, be especially careful when you are trying to be good 
so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. So be especially careful when you are trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. He's saying before we even get to the talking to God part, this is what we do. This is what you do and this is what I do. There's an element every time I'm trying to be good that I'm trying to be noticed. So my motive isn't as pure as I like to tell myself that it is. In fact, I negotiate with my own conscience so that I feel better about what it is that I'm doing. And Jesus is saying, look, just start here. Let's just tear that facade down. He's like, y'all are like this, so just accept it. And you'd rather know, wouldn't you? I'd rather know. I'd rather know the truth about myself. And he's saying, there's a temptation in every performance or in every good deed or good word or good action that you're trying to be noticed, trying to make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. Oh, well, I thought that that's what he valued. No, no, it's not. So let's find out what he values. When you do something for someone else, don't call attention to yourself. You've seen them in action, I'm sure. Play actors, I call them. Treating prayer meeting and street corner like as a stage. Acting compassionate as long as someone is watching, playing to the crowds. Well, that's not me, Pastor Corey. That might not be told to you, but there's an element in there that's you. There's an element in there that's me, let's be honest. It's easier to act compassionate when somebody's watching. Anybody else have a family? Yeah, yeah your kids know, though. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. That got it way too down. Okay, everybody happy? Smile. All right. He says they get applause, true, but that's all they get. What? They get applause, but that's all they get. W what do you mean? What? That's not what they were praying for. But that's all that they can get. Oh. You mean they, no, no, no. Jesus is saying God can't answer that kind of a prayer. God can't answer that kind of a good deed and reward. He can't do it. All you get is the applause of humans. That's all that you can get. Oh. When you help someone out, don't think about how it looks. What? This is so contrary to the human nature. I know it's just blowing our brains apart here. He says, just do it quiet, just do it quietly and unobtrusively. That is the way your God, who conceived you in love, working behind the scene, helps you out. Catch that, catch that. That is the way the God who conceived you in love, working behind the scenes, helps you out. We, um, we got to see a pre-screening of a movie called The Star. It's kind of a cute family movie. Uh, for Christmas time. And it just brings to mind again, you know, Jesus born in, laid in a manger, like a nobody. And God is saying, that's actually how I work. So much of what I do is behind the scenes. You know this if you've come to faith recently. You look back and you're like, oh wow, oh wow, oh wow. But so much of what he does is behind the scenes that doesn't even get a mention. But I think that when we get to heaven, we'll look back and be like, oh, you saved me from a car wreck, from a bad relationship. Oh, wow, I had no idea. Yeah, right. I didn't even know. I didn't even know. When you broke that relationship off, that guy would have hurt me, and I didn't even know. And I didn't even know. So much is happening behind the scenes, and God is saying, that's what I actually value. And then we get to the praying part. He says, and when you come before God, another translation says, and when you pray. So this is like, in, in previously he says, and when you give. So he's assuming like you're praying and giving. He's assuming that you're doing good deeds because that's, you want to please God, that pleases God. So he's already assuming like, and when you pray. 
Not if, not. And when you pray, so that might be the first step for you. Maybe you're far from God. Maybe you've never even tried praying before, but maybe this series is the first step for you. But he's making an assumption here saying, and when you pray, and when you come before God, you ready? Don't turn that into a the theatrical production either. What do, you, what do you mean? We wouldn't do that. He's saying, no, no, we all do that. Not about himself, but he's just including himself in the problem. He's saying, you do this, all right? I do this. And when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. So what he's saying is, what he's saying is, if you enter into a if you when you come before God, you're already wearing the mask of, I need to look a certain way to God. I need him to see a certain side of me. I need to be able to say this in a way that impresses him. I need to make sure that I'm asking for the right things so that I can get the right things. Just a different kind of a mask. We come with something between us and God. He says, don't make that into a theatrical production either. He said, all of these people making a regular show out of their prayers hoping for stardom. What? Oh, you mean just in public, Pastor? No, 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 I don't think so. Listen to that. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Now that right there has to be weeded out of our prayers. Because we all secretly pray because we want to be noticed. Catch this, catch this. We want to be noticed. Everybody, but particularly I think men. Now, I say that not to rag on men. I am one. <laughs> Mostly. <laughs> I'm a bit metro. <laughs> I can say that because I'm a bit metro. Don't judge me. Um, but listen, what does God say to, to Adam? What was part of Adam's curse? From dust you came to dust you're going to go back. I, I really think that in the heart of every man, and I, I just want to eyeball to eyeball with the guys here just for a second, is the need to feel significant because we know that we came from dust and we know that we're going back to dust and we just want to somehow rise above the dust. But the only thing that can rise above the dust is a cross planted in it. And so our, our whole search of a man, I think, I mean, for women, I think it's more along the love and connection thing, but for men, it's just to be significant, to do something that matters, to be somebody who matters. And, and Jesus says here, so underneath it all, when you start praying, you make a, a regular show out of your prayers and you're hoping for stardom, you're really hoping for significance, you're really hoping to be noticed. And Jesus is like, what if God doesn't even value that? What if that's not where the significance is to be found? Then he says, do you think that God sits in a box seat? Can you imagine? This is what I used to secretly hope, <clears throat> you know, like yesterday when I pray. <laughs> I, I really want... God to, to look at me and then to look at the other million people who are praying at that moment and be like, shut up, everybody. Listen to that guy pray. Wow. Wow, he is so good. I'm going to give him everything he's asking for. Shut up, everybody. I cannot hear Pastor Corey praying. Woo. You all need to be like him, man. Why can't you just pray like him? He's got it. He knows how. He's been practicing. He's got it all. I love when some people, they pray, their voices change. And the Lord. <laughs> the first time I ever, and the Lord. <laughs> the first time I ever heard that, it was just like, it was, I don't know if it was a Pentecostal jam or what, but like I'd never been to one of them. And, and I, uh, 
And yeah, we were at a conference and my eyes locked with, with somebody about 300 people away from me who is a buddy of mine. And he's looking at me openly laughing <laughs> during somebody's prayer. And the Lord. Ah. Is this guy okay? I don't think he's okay. He sounds <laughs> Please, like, I'm sorry if that's how you pray. But I just hope how you pray is kind of also how you talk. <laughs> I really hurt somebody's feeling, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just, I didn't know what to do with that. I thought it was funny. But here's what Jesus says. Here's what I want you to do. Listen, you ready for the secret? It won't sound like a big deal, but isn't that how most things work in your life? The biggest deals weren't, didn't start like the biggest deals. But here it is. Here's the biggest deal about praying for right now, for how to get to a place where we can pray. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place. What? Find a quiet, secluded place where? I don't know, someplace quiet and secluded. <laughs> Listen, the most important piece as we get started in this series. So you won't be tempted to role play before God. So you won't be tempted to role play before God. What? So you won't be tempted to role play before God. So you won't even be tempted to. Okay, you be God and I'll be me. I'm going to ask for a bunch of stuff. <laughs> and God's like, you'll be you, will you? Okay, tell you what, God. I'll be you and you be me. <laughs> Go ahead and ask for stuff. I give it to you. I'm used to negotiating. <laughs> Find a quiet and secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean that Jesus is saying that we all do it, but we just don't know that we do it. We role play before God. Here's what I think that you expect me to say, God. Catch us, catch us. And here are my expectations of you. You said you owe Give me, I don't have yet. Here's what I think you want to hear. Here's what I want. If I tell you what you want to hear, give me what I want. Ooh. Then he says this. That is the key to this entire sermon. He says, just, this is Jesus. Now does Jesus know how to talk to God the Father? Yeah. This, he's like, Here's the trick. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. Now, who can't do that? Everybody can. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. Why doesn't he say simply and honestly? Because none of us are really all that honest. <laughs> Just simply and as honestly as you can manage. Why does he say as you can manage? Because none of us are that honest. We just think that we are. Even when we're honest, we're only honest about where, what we're aware of. Now, if we had to come in with complete truth and an understanding of who we really were and who God really was, we couldn't even start praying. Because we're not that close. We're not like the same. He's saying just start the whole thing by just being there as simply and as honestly as you can manage. So for the person far from God, what does that mean? You don't have to know how to pray. That's not even what prayer is about. Unless you want to be that awesome. And the Lord, uh, you can start there. You got to practice. 
But listen, you're far from God. You've sinned. You've blown it. You made a mess of your life. Or you've been in the church and you didn't amount to the significance that you thought that you would be and you're still struggling with sin. Or whatever your story is. Brokenness, divorce, whatever your story is. Can you just be there as simply and as quietly as you can manage? Oh, I can do that. That's about all I can do. And Jesus is saying, that's all you've got to do. I don't really value anything else. So why don't we start there? What do you mean I shouldn't pray? No, 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 we'll get to it. But just be there simply and as quietly, as, uh, simply and as honestly as you can manage. Simply. Not with a negotiating mask on, just like, here I am. Today was not a good day. <laughs> I fought with, and I lied about, and I looked at, and I... But here it is. Then he says, Jesus, the focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. Catch it, catch it, catch it, catch it. Catch it. The focus will shift from you to God. What he's saying is that in every one of our hearts, when we start praying, our focus is not on God. Our focus is on self. And it's going to take some time if you, in bad habits of praying, it's going to take some time if you didn't understand all of this. It's going to take some time. But eventually what will happen, as you sit there as simply and honestly as you can manage, eventually what will happen is that the focus will start shifting off of yourself, your needs, your wants. Your, it will eventually start shifting to God. It's the only way to do it. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that simple? And isn't that easy? Then he says, the world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of <laughs> formulas and programs and advice. Peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Basically negotiating for more stuff. He's saying this is the reality of where things are at right now, but this is where they could be. Negotiating for more peddling techniques. Dear baby Jesus, Here's my Christmas list. <laughs> Dear baby Jesus, I want peace on earth and lots and lots of stuff for myself. But if you want to talk to God, our Heavenly Father, we have to start in a much, much different place. And once you start in a better place, then we can get to a better place. Right, right, right. This is your Father, Jesus says, you are dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. What? Yeah. It, shocker. He knows. He knows how much food is in your fridge. He knows about your situation at work. He knows about your marriage. He knows about your friendship. He knows about your children. He knows about everything. He already knows. Well, you mean I shouldn't ask him? No, we'll get to it. But start in the right place. Start in the right place. Your focus is still on you and the problems. Start in the right place. Start in the right place. We're going to find out in a week or two that prayer is much more about changing you than it is about changing your situation. When you change, your situation changes. It's much, much more about changing you. Not talking God into something, not getting him to like you more, not getting him more like you. That's not going to help anybody. It's about changing you. Um, 
With a God like this, you can pray very simply like this. That's the end of my text today, and I'm just going to close the sermon. It's kind of a simple sermon, but I think that we needed to hear it. I think that we needed to hear it. All right. Um, Next week, we're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer. A very familiar passage of scripture if you grew up in any sort of religious circles, even in schools in the past, but, but we're going to actually go through the Lord's Prayer the way that Jesus would have prayed it, not like, kind of like a template, but not like a blueprint. And there's elements in the Lord's Prayer that you can use to pray that will help you connect with God and help your prayers get through the filters that God values and get your prayers answered. But we've got to start in the right place first. So come back next week for the Lord's Prayer because it's going to be great and you're not going to see some of it coming in the way that the Holy Spirit has shown it to me and you're going to absolutely love it. Um, so that's next week. Um, I wanted to end the sermon today by... by um, I heard a story one time that um, a boy was kind of bragging a bit and he said, to return to children's stories, he, he said, um, he was bragging, and he's like, my dad and I, we know everything. <laughs> My dad and I, we know everything. We know everything about everything. And somebody asks him a really hard question, and he, and he says, he stops and he goes, well, thinks about it, and he goes, you know, I'm going to leave that one for my dad. <laughs> for, for us to be able to get to the place that we need to get to, there's something that we are going to need to overcome. It sounds very simple, but there's an emotion that we feel that keeps us away from getting to this place where we can just be simply there before God, honestly, as honestly as we can imagine, as, as, as we can manage, as simply as we can manage. There's an emotion that we're going to have to overcome. Um, we went out with some friends of ours, and they have girls who are younger than our girls, and so my, my oldest daughter and uh, Katie, my third daughter, she was like a babysitter in training. She's doing it for free and she doesn't care. She just wants to be a babysitter. <laughs> she just wants to learn how to babysit dad. She was just, her eyes light up. And she was excited to go there and Arwen was probably not as excited to go and <laughs> babysit. But, um, but our friend said something about their little girl who, of course, like grew up with our girls and they're like family. And uh, she's like, she says, Mom, let me get this right here. She goes, and don't bring this up with her because it would super embarrass her and I don't want to do that because she's such a little adult and she's so smart. But this is what she said. She said, I'm glad the babysitters are coming, Mom. But having a babysitter makes me feel weak. Six? Six years old? I just don't like feeling weak, Mom. I want them to come, but I just don't want to feel weak. <laughs> and I got thinking, you know what? There's the emotion that we need to overcome. Just to get to a place where we can start praying is that we don't like to come to God with nothing to offer that he really needs from us. We just don't like the feeling of it. It makes us feel insignificant, but that was never where significance was in the first place. Listen to me. You will never find significance in what you can bring to God, only in what God has already done for you. And so, and so the trouble is when we come to God, we, we ought to offer him something. Now, I'm not saying you don't give, and I'm not saying you don't pray, and I'm not saying you don't help, and I'm not saying you don't do good things and be honest. And No, 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 we do all of those things, but we do them because we are loved, because we are significant, because we are sons and daughters of God, and he actually gives us the power to do it in the first place. 
But what we are going to have to get used to, listen to me, is we are going to have to get used to feeling weak. Not in every relationship, just in one. We are going to have to get used to coming in, in as simply and as honestly as we can imagine, manage. We just need to come and just sit before God in a quiet, secluded place. And eventually the focus shifts from us to God. And we get to the place in our hearts where we're like, God, you don't owe me anything. And I have nothing that you need, but thank you, God, for wanting me. And if you try to figure out why he does, you'll lose your mind because you won't, you won't be able to handle it. I don't really want to know. I just want to be loved. There's nothing in me that I would love some days, but he still manages to find something to love. And if we can get over that feeling of weakness, I think that in our weakness that God could actually be made strong so that you don't come to God with answers and eventually, listen, you don't even really come to God with questions. You just come to God. Because relationship is not about winning and losing. It's about being together. But with God, with God, we've got to come in a certain way. We can only have a relationship with God, listen, on God's terms. But what terms they are. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, for somebody right now, they're, they're actually believing. They're actually starting to think, like, I could be forgiven of my sins. Well, I don't have anything to offer. That's the point. That's the revelation from heaven today for every person. You mean that I don't have to pray a certain way? I don't have to be in the game? I don't have to, I don't have to, I don't, no, 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 no. All we need to do this week, and I pray for every person, that this week, all we would do is we would just come to a quiet, secluded place and just be with you as simply and honestly as we can manage and you'll take care of the rest. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. I pray that for every person that something would come alive and we would really start to live a life in Christ, alive, energized by the Holy Spirit of God, and dead to our sins, and dead to all the things that we think that we bring to the table, which we don't, just alive in you, and in your love for us. We love you, Lord. Amen. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.